So you want to be an indie author. Well, writing is creative. Being an author, now that's a business. Hi, I'm Jenia White, and welcome to the Indie Author Hangout. This bi-weekly podcast is for aspiring writers and indie authors. Here, you'll be introduced to the business of being a well-informed, bona fide, independent author. It's time to sell your stories and not yourself short. So stay tuned to the Indie Author Hangout podcast and create your blueprint for your indie author business today. You're inside the Indie Author Hangout, Season 1, Episode 5. Hey, it's Jenia your hostess who wants the mostest in book sales. I'm also a wife, mother, and indie author of Black-centric fiction. And as always, I'm happy that you're here. It's time to stop the show. Let's tune in to another indie author hangout spotlight. What happens when three young, intelligent, and forward-thinking Black women decide to be the change they want to see? A nonprofit publication, a multimedia platform is born. Brown Sugar Literary Magazine, aims to capture and share the stories, photography, memoirs, and more of women of color. Within the pages of Brown Sugar Lit, women from various backgrounds and identities take command of their creative expression and create a community where their culture and living voices are celebrated with all the heart and beauty they deserve. The first issue of Brown Sugar Literary Magazine is scheduled for release on November 27, 2020. How can you support these young women on their journey? Be sure to visit brownsugarlit.com to learn more about their mission, how to submit your work for publication, and be in the know about the wonderful things these young women have in store. It is with great pleasure I welcome to the Indie Author Hangout the founders and editors of Brown Sugar Lit, Ashley Imani, Chanel Martin, and Imani Parker. Welcome to the Indie Author Hangout. Thank you for joining me today. Please let our listeners know your name and your contribution to Brown Sugar Lit. Let's start with you, Ashley. Okay. Hi, I'm Ashley. My contribution is that I am an editor for Brown Sugar as well as a managing editor. Hi, I'm Chanel Martin. I'm an editor. I also do publicity for the magazine, so I run our social media platforms. We all do it together, but I take lead on that. We're all founders, so we all have that title too. Hi, my name is Imani. I'm an editor, co-founder. I I like to do the Twitter thing. I've been learning the Twitter thing for brown sugar and like the hashtags and all of those things. I also work on the website and I really, really enjoy the editorial process. We all have our people that we edit and our pieces that we edit, but I like making relationships with my writers, emailing them, having conversations with them, understanding their writing and figuring out how to make it better or bring it to its final um, draft shape kind of thing. So. Wonderful. I love the story mm-hmm. about the offhand remark in Uber that led to the birth of brown sugar. Imani, who made that remark? We were all sitting in the Uber. I remember Ashley talking about the publishing industry and the place of Black women in the publishing industry and basically her struggles with it coming out of college and not seeing us represented in it and not knowing exactly how to navigate the space. At one point, we were like, we should make our own literary magazine. I think we all contributed to the conversation. Ashley, what do no, you No, no, yeah, I agree. It was just all a collective answer, really, because we were just hanging out and catching up. And mm-hmm. I remember talking about, as you said, my struggles with the, getting into the industry as a Black woman. And I was talking about my experience working for a literary magazine on campus mm-hmm. called Italics Mine. And through that, we were all just like collectively, oh, we should just start our own literary magazine. And that's how it came to be. At first, what made it off uh, an offhand comment 
is because at first we weren't really serious. It was just a little joke, like, oh, we should just start our own. But then we actually, yeah. it settled in, and then we were just like, oh, wow, we should actually start our own literary magazine. So that's how yeah. I came to yeah. I didn't even know it was serious until we were sitting down having a zoom meeting and, and then Ashley was like oh my gosh I'm I'm trying to come up with a logo and we kept doing things and we're like okay <laughs> yeah, yeah we're gonna do this so, yeah. I remember uh, with the name we were we were just like um what we were gonna name and I was like what about sugarcane because I love the fact that <laughs> we're, we're all we're all Jamaican and and then I I found out that sugarcane was actually a magazine and I remember just being so pissed like oh they stole our name <laughs> so then it became a wordplay kind of thing I can't remember exactly how we got to brown sugar I think it had to do with a game of uh Pictionary and Chanel uh, but I think you can explain that, how we got to brown sugar exactly, oh. but we were really playing with the words because of sugar. Wow. I, no, go ahead. All right. I don't know if Chanel actually remembers this story, but <laughs> <laughs> that's not how we got to the name. Ashley gets excited and she starts to like saying names sometimes. And then we're like, okay, maybe. <laughs> um, but when I think about brown sugar, it's interesting that we ended up on that name. One time we were playing this game. It's an online kind of Pictionary game, like charades-ish. Is it called? Yeah, Scribblio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we were playing that because we've been in quarantine and we sometimes had game nights or things like that. So that was happening and Chanel got the word sugar and she drew a picture of all of these brown dots <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on the white page. So obviously everyone's like looking at this and like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then somebody's like, why is, why are you writing? Why are you drawing brown dots? And then she's like, well, I'm Jamaican and this is what it looks like to me. So then I was like, oh, it's sugar. When she gave that hint, I found it interesting how other people in the space didn't guess that. So I always think of it as Chanel saying, for me, this is what sugar looks like. Sugar is brown. I paraphrase a little bit, but she's like, yeah, this is what I think of when I think of sugar. And when I just think about it as a metaphor, in America, sugar is white. And that's what we think about when we think mm -hmm. about sugar. That's the, the sugar that everyone buys. When you draw a picture of sugar and you draw some brown sugar, nobody's going to really recognize that. I mean, they mm -hmm. probably wouldn't have recognized it if it was white dots too, but you know. <laughs> I like, <laughs> I think maybe she should have drawn a sugar bag, but you know, she's the, the little, um, <laughs> she's silly. Uh, so, no. and we definitely um, saw that what um, Imani is saying, like we really saw that when we started actually playing with the idea of using brown sugar as a title, mm -hmm. but we realized how much people actually did not use the title brown sugar for pretty much a lot of things as a magazine, as a, a brand. We were really surprised by that. So that kind of proves that um, concept about the sugar and how people think immediately sugar is white. So, mm -hmm. And yeah, also just, it's super interesting to think about how somebody's cultural perspective influences how they think about something as small as sugar. And one thing, one detail influences how they represent that thing and how they draw that thing and how they communicate it to other people. Mm -hmm. And when you think about storytelling and writing, your cultural perspective influences that as well it was really interesting but everybody takes something different from your work 
and everyone sees something different when they're looking at your work. And for me, as a person who is West Indian and descends from Jamaican people as well, when I looked at that, I was able to interpret that picture in a certain way. The same way it is with writing and with stories. When you see yourself represented or something that you're familiar with represented, sometimes it clicks for you and it also feels good. Like, ha, we know something or we have some kind of perspective that we share Mm -hmm. that maybe other people don't. And that creates a sense of community. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's why I like that story a lot. But it happened before the magazine, though. So it's kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all you need is to plant a seed. And that's what seems like that conversation did. And I'm glad it did. Chanel. Yeah. Uh, Has this process tested the boundaries of your friendship or has it brought you ladies closer? I think it's definitely brought us closer, but it also has taught us a lot about each other and how we communicate and just how we go about things differently because there are three of us and we're all very unique and independent of each other. Before the magazine, Ashley and I, especially, we weren't super close. We weren't like really hanging out separate from our group hangouts or anything like that. But once we started working on the magazine, I think our group did evolve in a lot of ways. We did definitely get a lot closer because of it. And we realized a lot about the experiences that we kind of shared. But it comes with challenges too, where three different people and we're all very strong and we're all very worried about our opinions and our differences. So I think we have had some battles and we have had some like tough conversations But in the end, we always remain very professional and we always put the magazine first. We all know this project is something that we all really care about and love. And it means a lot that the three of us are working on it together. But everything comes with its challenges for sure. Exactly. That's the beauty of um, what you're doing is that once again, you're learning who you are in a different space Mm -hmm. because taking that friendship and then adding business to it is a very big deal. And so for mm-hmm, you ladies mm-hmm. to be able to come together and do that, that speaks volumes about how much this project means to you. Because at some point, it's, just, it's no longer personal. Mm-hmm. It's like, we have a project, we have a product, we have a goal, mm-hmm. and we're going to meet it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I find myself really grateful for Amani and Chanel and uh, the fact that we came together and put the magazine together because it, the idea sparked through one hangout. It was a reunion where we came together to hang out for one night. And I almost didn't show up, which is the crazy thing to me. And my, if I did true, not go, my true. life wouldn't have, yeah, I was, I was um, with my mom uh, looking, up, looking at houses and a certain neighborhood way out in Jersey. And they were like, oh, Ashley, are you coming out? And I was just like, oh, I don't know. Until I was like, um, even though it's nine o'clock, I'm gonna show up, let's go to the park. And when I met up with them, everything was just so, so normal to me. Like I haven't seen them in so long, but it's like you have those good friends that whenever you finally do come together, everything is just as it was before, Mm -hmm. great vibes. And then I was not in a great place because of quarantine. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I definitely feel that after that reunion and the fact that brown sugar had become a thing, it kind of saved me in a certain type of way. I, I felt like I was in a negative space because of how unproductive I was at the time. I run on productivity and deadlines. That's just me. And with brown sugar, I found such a great friendship, a great group of friends that I've had before, but it became stronger as we've 
spoken more. We had Zoom meetings, we have phone calls, we text. And I, I really found myself again and my love for writing and holding myself accountable to my writing because we also do workshops with one another as well. And it's not just always the magazine. We're there for each other as friends. Our professionalism is really astounding to me because we can butt heads, but then at the end of the day, we remember we're all friends. I just remember me and Amani going back and forth over something, uh, not in a serious <laughs> way, but going going back and forth over how we're going to go through a process. And then I'll just text you on the side like, are you okay? Is everything okay? How are we doing? And I'll be like, aside from the magazine, what's going on? And everything's totally fine. Then at the end of the day, remember we're friends, mm -hmm. but we're also business associates. So sometimes it is difficult to remember those two separate things, but other times it's easy and I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. I want to say something about that. First of all, I'm thinking about that hangout and how Ashley was super excited about this children's show that she likes writing fan fiction. <laughs> Don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about it. Absolutely. <laughs> but also we were joking around and then it became a conversation about feeling strained in quarantine and feeling like we're not doing what we wanted to be doing or what we expected to be doing. And everything is really uncertain during these times and having certain limitations and all of that. Last year was a year ahead of us in school. So she finished before us and then me and Chanel graduated, well, finished our classes in December. So for me, I just came out of college and I felt like I was frozen. I was stagnant. I couldn't move forward because of things that were happening, quarantine, uh, how to get work or what kind of work should I be doing? And one of the things that really helped me was having workshops and sticking to writing every day, like trying to write every day. And often that was like the highlight of my day. We talked about coming from a school where we majored in creative writing and once you come out of that environment, professors are giving you certain deadlines all the time and somebody is holding you accountable for your writing in that environment. And now you graduate and you're an adult and you have to be accountable for your own writing and for your own production. And you have to motivate yourself a lot. And writing itself is often a very solitary thing or it can be. Mm -hmm. So when we're sitting there talking and we were hanging out that day and something that's always valuable to me is to notice that writing does not have to be a solitary thing. You can sit next to somebody and write with them. You can share with them. At school, we had our our workshops. We had lots of different workshops. Outside of school, it starts to feel lonely. And Ashley's like, I wish that I had somebody, a community that I could be accountable to. We all have felt that at different periods of time. And I was feeling that then too. Sometimes I get writer's block or I feel super far away from my writing self, myself as a writer, or that identity starts evolving or lack of productivity makes me question it. It's very nice to have somebody who's interested in your writing, who's interested in you as a person, what you produce, and also just gets excited with you about your characters. Ashley started talking about the this this children's thing <laughs> and then i was like yeah <laughs> i was like yeah tell me about it yes let's hear it and we all like are we gonna watch the show <laughs> we're gonna check it out we're gonna check out an episode of it and then like yeah write that fan fiction ashley <laughs> so finding a community in writing and not realizing that it doesn't have to be a solitary thing it can be if you want it to be and in the moments that you need it to be, but it can also be a connecting thing and a communicating thing. And that's really, really important. Talking about me and Ashley butting heads, when that happens, I'm only arguing with her professionally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. it's like, so, yeah. so it's like, 
So it's if we're disagreeing with something in the magazine, I might get a little bit irritable, but we have the group chat, the brown sugar group chat that we communicate in often. And Ashley will move to a private group chat and she'll be like, like she said, hey, it's everything okay, which I really appreciate. It is that balance that you have to find. It is hard working with your friends. There are a lot of challenges that come with that. When you're working with somebody in a non-professional capacity and often everything is jokes and not that serious and there are serious moments and serious times, but there's a different dimension and a different level to professionalism and business. So another thing gets layered on top of that. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I'm still learning to navigate. There is that time where I'm going to focus on this business thing. Then there's a time where Ashley's like, how are things going? Also me and Ashley, our personalities are like, we like to give our ideas very loudly. Chanel's like, sometimes when there's a disagreement, She's calm, more calm she's, okay. in the situation. She's Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she, she, says, she has said that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I talk, about, I talk about it in terms of Ashley. But it's, it hasn't been a really big, any... Yeah. Anything, <laughs> small things right. um, and that comes with the territory because you yeah. it, you all have to realize you're creating a different level of relationship within your friendship yeah and we all respect each other in our work so much that it's it's so hard to to be so direct when coming to suggestions or trying to come to a, a conclusion when we have different ideas and we're different people individually yeah. so coming together is something we have to work to, together to navigate through. And I think we've done a really good job at it so far as we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be as far as we are now if we hadn't been able to come together through situations or conflicts. But yeah, there, there isn't that much conflict to get through at the end of the day, so. Good. Yeah, and like you said earlier, you realize that the project itself is important to you and you're like, uh, yeah, I know for myself, at the end of the day, we're working on this project, guys. What are my responsibilities? What do I have to do in this project? Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you're in some other space, you just come to that. You come back to that and you're like, yeah, but for brown sugar, this is what we need to do. We're going to meet up. We're going to talk about brown sugar. We're going to figure this out. And this is something that's important to all of us and that uh, we want to see through. Yeah. Chanel, what what do you want to build with Brown Sugar as far as community between your readers and your contributors to your magazine? What type of community are you seeking to build? Well, I guess the main focus of the magazine is to have a safe space for all women of color to come together and share their work and also get feedback. That's why on social media, we try to be as interactive as possible. We want the readers to feel connected to us and feel like they can always reach out to us for whatever reason. And so I think community-wise is just for our readers to feel accessible to us and for our, our stories not just to be marginalized. We don't want everyone to feel like, oh, these are just Black stories or these are just women's stories. We want it to just be stories for everyone and we want everyone who contributes to feel like their story can reach everyone. Community-wise is for women of color, and everyone, our allies, our supporters, to just feel accessible to one another and to share our stories and find comfort in our magazine and find a safe haven in our magazine. For me, that's definitely one of the main things that I want. I want to be able to meet some of our readers and some of our writers, talk to them, get to know them, see what they think, and how we can help and how we can contribute more. Eventually, we want to be outside. I think when our issue comes out, we're planning to 
go to parks, meet people and tell them about our magazine and tell them about the project that we're doing and also sell our issue because, you know, that's a part of it. We want them, everyone to know that you can reach out to us and we want to feel connected to everyone and this is a safe space for everyone. Um, right. yeah. Ashley, Brown Sugar Lit is a portion of Brown Sugar the brand. What else are you building upon within Brown Sugar the brand itself? We definitely want to start out with our Sweet Honey session. We want to be able to provide workshops for people who want to get ahead on their writing, just have a community to write with. We have so many fun ideas for the future. We entertain possibilities because we want to manifest it. Like maybe even like a writing retreat in the future when we can, when we have the funds, we want to be as interactive as possible for people, like Chanel said, so we can create a community because it's so hard to find a writing community for yourself. The reason we want to create it is because we've experienced it already and we're still experiencing it. We all met at a writing camp as counselors and that's how we became our own community. After the session of camp had ended, we made sure to stay in contact and we all always share with one another, keep each other updated, and we want to be able to have that for people. Um, we want to be able to have, whether through Zoom or in person, a launch uh, party where we can meet the writers, have people share. We want to have events where people can read their work aloud and share with other people, networking events. And we want to just be a platform and creatives to share their work and be represented and heard in a way that they aren't today. It's so hard for writers of color and creatives of color to be represented in this society. And it's not fair. They deserve to be heard. And we want to be that microphone for them. You're tuned into the Indie Author Hangout with Ashley Imani, Chanel Martin, and Imani Parker, founders and editors of Brown Sugar Literary Magazine. Be sure to visit brownsugarlit.com to support these amazing young women on their journey, to submit your work for publication, and to purchase their first issue scheduled for release on November 27, 2020. Thanks for tuning in to the Indie Author Hangout. Now let's get back to the show. There are many of us who are becoming writers and authors and bloggers and finding our way to have our literary voices be heard as women of color. What do you think that we can all do as a community to make sure that those spaces that we're not in don't matter anymore because we've created our own? This question makes me think about Toni Morrison because she was always so unapologetic She's like, yeah, I'm a black woman and I'm a black writer. I'm a black woman writer and I'm going to write from that perspective. And my story is a story. What else am I supposed to write? And that's something that always inspires me about her. And when you talk about other spaces, there was a time growing up where I felt like I had to fit my writing into other spaces mm -hmm. or I felt like what I learned in in literature and what I saw in literature, I saw white perspectives. When I was a little girl and I was like, oh, I want to grow up and write the great American novel. And I would sit down and make my characters. I was like, you know, I think I have to put white characters because I think that's what's going to be accepted. If I'm thinking about writing the great American novel that has mass appeal. And it was a point where I had to make certain concessions with my identity and with what I knew. And I was writing these really generic teenage stories that I thought I had to write. And I was writing characters that didn't look like me and that didn't 
eat the things that I ate, didn't have the hair that I had. I tried to strip my writing of everything that was me. I've been in positions like that and I felt like that. Mm-hmm. And a big turning point for me was when I did this competition for Random House when I was in high school and I wrote a short story and they were looking for distinctive voices and I was sure I was going to win. I wanted to win. I I won an honorable mention and I was a little bitter about it at first. And I was like, well, why? They had a performance where people's pieces were being performed and acted out. I saw so many people of color unapologetically speaking their voices into their writing, speaking their experiences, speaking their traumas. There was this one guy, he was Jamaican. He was just unafraid to talk about growing up and being gay, coming out to his family and being Jamaican and all of that stuff. And what I noticed about my writing is that I always tried to take those things out Mm. of my writing prior to that point, or I tried to fit into certain spaces, like a white space. And I thought, oh, I'm going to write something universal. And I think up the point where you realize I don't need to write something universal, I need to write something true. And that itself becomes universal when you're writing something true and when you're writing something human and you're writing from your perspective. That's the goal. That's what you should be striving for. So I remember definitely having those moments where I felt like those spaces that didn't really accept me mattered a lot and that I needed to take parts of myself away or out of my writing. Now it's always a goal of mine to pour myself into my writing. People like me will see themselves represented in that piece. People who share similar cultures, who share similar experiences, and people who are just people and feel emotions like white people can relate to my stories as well. And it's a thing that Black people, people of color, um, marginalized people, oppressed people have had to relate to the dominant narrative all the time. We read the popular books and we somehow find a way to relate to it. So yes, a white person can read my story about a Black woman and relate to it. Um, Why can I relate to a white woman protagonist, but somebody can't relate to a Black woman protagonist? And I'm going to create that space for myself and the Mm -hmm. people who need to listen to that who need that, who see that. Um, And this is why representation matters so, so much. Because yes, I was a kid who was just seeing white people in literature. And I thought that that's what I had to do. And I'm so happy that that's not what I think I have to do anymore. Mm -hmm. It's liberating to just let go of that and write your truth. People can relate to you. People can relate to that. People can relate to other human beings. White people can relate to black people, can relate to Hispanic people, can relate to indigenous people, can relate to people of color. We're all human beings. So write your story, write your truth. And don't worry about fitting yourself into the dominant narrative and making yourself smaller, taking the flavor out of your perspective. It's not going to give you your best work. It might give you a solid piece of work, but your best work is going to be the one that you pour yourself into. You ladies can change. The issues that you see, Mm -hmm. you can adjust. It's Mm -hmm. not about being upset with what people aren't doing. It's about doing what you can to make your position known and and Mm -hmm. living freely in that space. I would love for young women such as yourself to reach out and connect with our younger generation, our elementary school girls especially, and maybe host a writing workshop where they learn that they can write their truth. They can write about their hair. They can write about their skin. You know, give them some parameters. Yeah, we have Mm -hmm. thought about that because especially with our experience with the writing camp that we went to and that Mm -hmm. we had such an impact on the kids that were there who were of color. We've Mm -hmm. been in spaces where they needed that space. There was an elective within the camp called BCR, Voice, Culture and Race. And so many of the, the children of color would always go there every single evening because that's the only space 
that they could relate to or fit into in a white dominated camp. And we wanted to do our best to make sure they were comfortable in that space. And anybody who was like a non-person of color, you're welcome into it. But also remember that this space is for these children of color who can't, who have to force themselves to create that space for themselves. Mm -hmm. They have to demand it. This space is created for them because sometimes you're tired of having to demand things that should be given to you because equality and fairness and we definitely want to do that within Brown Sugar. We've thought about having workshops for um, younger children as our magazine is 17 plus. We've thought about creating a, a possible dean for children where they can submit their work and then have it broadcasted and published for people to see that they are emerging writers as well and they deserve to be heard as well. I feel that we have to take charge and that's what we're doing. We got tired of having to wait for a space to be created for us mm-hmm. and waiting for things. That's what that's what our movement is so much about, Black Lives Matter and everything like that. We have to take charge and we have to demand the space. Even if we're tired of it, we do have to demand it and we have mm-hmm. to be able to give it to one another exactly. um, mm-hmm. rather than de- demand it from non-people of color. We have to create it for each other and not expect non-people of color to integrate because they're not doing it. And what are we going to do about that? And that's the thing, taking back, and I say taking it back because we, through culture, we've given control over what matters to us. Mm-hmm. So we have to- We have to take that that's back. It. That's it, we have to own it. But honestly, I'm tired of waiting for white people to say it's okay to be black. I'm tired of waiting yeah. you know, yes. for them, for <laughs> us to say, okay, I, I love allies. Don't get me wrong. White people are white people. People mm-hmm. are people. But I don't need you to support me. If you do, please do. Great. Thank you. But I don't need you to validate mm-hmm. who I am as a black woman, as a black person. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to have you in this space because this is what needs to be done. We don't need to wait for somebody to tell us we matter or to change rules to make us fit in. We have to create our mm-hmm. own rules. We have to create our own perspectives. Mm-hmm. We yeah. have to uplift one another. We really have to uplift one another to mm-hmm. move further. It really does. It has to start within ourselves now mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. waiting is not getting us anywhere. We have to uplift one another and get it going within one another. We have to represent each other and we have to do what we can if there are people high up, we have to bring other people who are lower up as well. Yeah. We all have to work together because exactly. nobody else is going to do it for us. Exactly. What we need to do is take care of ourselves and what you're doing. You're creating mm-hmm. community. You're creating what you want to see. Mm-hmm. And I want you ladies to really, really think about that workshop for the younger generation because it starts now. It starts when they're that age and they're having to make those decisions. It's enough to be black. It's enough to be a black man, a black boy, to be a black girl. You have to be multicultural, but to live in their culture and then have to shut your culture out so you can fit in. I don't want our generation to keep thinking like that. When Ashley was talking about VCR, we needed a space for people of color to feel comfortable and to just talk. but in one of my workshops and working with kids, one of my kids wrote a dialogue and the instructor was white and he was writing a conversation between a black man and his son. Mm. And the instructor that I was assisting, she marked up like in red on his document, on his Google document. She's like, the grammar is all wrong here. Wow. And then immediately when I saw that, I was like, 
no <laughs> like there was literally nothing wrong with the grammar also he's writing exactly as they're supposed to be speaking because mm-hmm. he's writing a screenplay he's writing word for word dialogue and it wasn't even over the top or anything it wasn't something that you couldn't understand it was a conversational scene between two people of color two black men a younger one and an older one so i had to challenge her in that space and i had to say well why do you think he shouldn't use these words once i asked her that question she was like oh my gosh yeah my bad and then she deleted the comments after that uh this kid he would always come to me and say imani what do you think about this dialogue does it flow naturally i think moments like that in youth those are the things that shape how you think about literature how you think about writing how you think about learning if you write the way that you speak into a dialogue into a screenplay and then somebody says mm-hmm. that it's wrong and you're a kid you can internalize that you can be like this is how i speak at home or this is how i hear people speak but this is not appropriate to put into a story and that's absolutely incorrect that's exactly what he mm-hmm. should have been writing and i was so happy that i was in that space he was also in my workshop and he was also in VCR with us as well and he would sometimes go off and not want to share his work and i would talk to him and he would like be like okay i'm going to just share it with you sometimes kids they need that nurturing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um they need somebody that they feel like they can actually speak to or share their work with and when you're talking about speaking with young writers and having a workshop with kids that's so very valuable i think when something is not represented and just being that mm-hmm. thing and representing that thing and saying it's okay to write this or it's okay to be this way you look at tv and you look at the books that they give you and you're not reflected in it and you think there's mm-hmm. not a space for me this is not what i should be writing about and i think that has to change yeah you just completely reminded me about why i i don't hate it but i dislike the way that urban genre is formed i feel like black stories are always just immediately put into the urban category right. because mm-hmm. of inner city or it's because of gang violence or because of um, things that inner city kids go through day after day but if these topics these concepts these ideas and themes they're normal in society they're actually more normal than people think which mm-hmm. is why they are never represented properly and what the instructor had done wasn't okay because those are the same instructors and the same people who would put his work into the urban category because it uses either broken english or a different language or slang or other euphemisms and dialects that aren't normal to or adhering to white societies articulate i'm saying that in quotation marks they're the way they articulate mm-hmm. and that needs to be canceled out Urban stories are just as normal as other white stories or other genres. Mm. There can be a story featuring black people, black love, black horror, black thrillers, science fiction, fantasy. Black mm-hmm. people are in everything. We are here. We are in this world. We are prominent. So yes. do not label us and our stories and everything that we have to say our journeys as urban. That bothers me so much and it mm-hmm. literally pushes me to do what I do today and that's why representation matters so much to us in brown sugar. We want those stories that people label as urban so we can normalize it. These are normal stories. We want to put them out to the world without having to stick the urban label on it. Right. Mhm. I think about what you lady said in the beginning about the Pictionary game you were playing and the word was sugar. And in your culture and how you were raised, you look at sugar as you don't look at it as brown sugar, you see sugar. 
That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So it's not just black stories. They're stories because these are our lives. This is our culture. Mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. this is, yes. if, if you need to label it that to help it make sense to you, that's on you. But this is who we yeah. are. Mm-hmm. So, but that's also why we don't just want black stories and why we like say women of color mm-hmm. with an X or we say people of color because we want stories from other nationalities and other religions. We want to tell those stories that are not told. We want to represent everybody who is mm-hmm. underrepresented. Exactly. I get where you're going with that. And it's definitely needed mm-hmm. because we're not the only people <laughs> who are looked yeah. at as being less than because of, of the color of our skin. Yeah, that's also a thing like us personally, we are black women that informs our writing, but it's not the only thing that we want to see. We want to see exactly. all kinds of different perspectives and mm-hmm. underrepresented perspectives. We have gotten those in submissions as well. And it gives us a chance to learn. It gives us a chance to see other perspectives, see things in stories that we haven't seen before. Some of our stories that we've received, I just love getting a piece of somebody else's culture and getting to understand it or getting to see it through the eyes of a character and written by a writer who that is personal to. There are a lot of us who are non-white and a lot of us who are not in the dominant category. And we can all relate to not being represented in literature in the same way that white people are represented in literature. And we can all relate to not seeing ourselves in things that we consume. It always excites me to learn about or see another person's culture represented, one that I am not familiar with or I haven't been able to know or haven't been able to see in the dominant narrative. A big important part of Brown Sugar is that we want to be inclusive when we're talking about the community that we want to create a safe space for women of color. We want to be inclusive of women of color in all kinds of different identities and manifestations and understandings of themselves and cultures. We want to create a space for those women who don't fit into the dominant narrative. That's extremely important to me and something that I'm very excited about. Imani, metamorphosis is the theme of your first issue. What's the significance of that theme? I think that it's important in the times that we are in right now. We've had to spend a lot of time with ourselves and in quarantine, everyone's experience is different. Even if you're with your family, you're not influenced by the outside world in the same way. And you do have to spend a lot of time thinking about yourself, thinking about where you fit in the world, understanding yourself and your relationship to yourself. We have that general theme and we want anyone to take it and interpret it. I love getting the different perspectives, the different interpretations, um, getting stories about growth, about overcoming, starting fresh. There's so many different ways to write about a metamorphosis and to think about a transition and a change. Ashley, how often will Brown Sugar be published? Twice a year. We have ideas for zines in the future, but we're really hoping to publish an issue twice a year in the fall and I think late spring. We're still figuring out the details of certain things, but that's around the gist of it. Okay. Uh, Chanel, when it's published, how can listeners find your magazine? Definitely on social media, on every platform we're at, um, Brown Sugar Lit, that's where we'll be announcing everything. We're going to have print copies that we'll be selling online and also in different locations in person. We're still figuring out the stores that we'll be selling it through, but it will be printed. And we'll also have an ebook that will be available online on our website, brownsugarlit.com. We have a section on our website 
called issues and when you click there that's where all of the information will be on getting access to the issue ladies before we go i just want to let you know i do understand your vision i completely agree with your goals and i <laughs> i would like to know from each of you the personal aspect of what having brown sugar means to you let's start with you ashley Oh, oh gosh, I was thinking about my answer too. Oh, well, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. It definitely comes from the fact that I love having brown sugar as a community, as I said before, and how it's inspired me and motivated my writing. Through brown sugar, I've definitely gotten most the most writing done since even when I graduated, I had a major writer's block. And I've been struggling with personal issues, with anxiety and, and depression. And my writing, I felt like I lost a piece of myself with the lack of writing. Mm -hmm. And with Brown Sugar, I've had inspiration again. Thinking about how we're placed into the urban category and our mission definitely fuels me and motivates me to do what I do. And that's what I love about the three of us working together on these projects and this community and organization. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Imani? community comes to mind, thinking about yourself in society as a Black woman, as a woman of color. I'm a Black woman, but Black women are not the only ones that are going to be represented in the publication. Having a place where I can get a sense of community or I can be contributing to creating a sense of community for women of color to come together and to really express themselves and show their craft, work on their craft, speak their voices and have their perspective represented, have their stories represented. When we're organizing workshops and things like that, that's also contributing to community and also creating safe spaces outside of the Dunnit narrative where anybody can gather, any woman of color, that's a safe space for them, even though other people are welcome into the workshop or into the space. If you're not a woman of color, you're not gonna be the dominant figure that this is centered around. There are different spaces for that. Reading pieces, writing pieces, and being inspired by and inspiring people. I'm excited for the stories and I'm excited for the human connection and the community that will come out of it and the place of belonging that it has the potential to create. That's what Brown Sugar is for me. Awesome. Chanel? For me personally, I think Brown Sugar has definitely changed my life. Um, just because I was struggling for a long time with feeling like a writer and feeling how my degree would be useful and how I would actually use it and what I could do with it. I struggled with that a lot. I was going back and forth between like what I wanted to do with my life. And I also used to think I hated editing. Like I did not think it was something I would enjoy. And then we brown sugar and we were, we started getting all of these, all the stories and all of the submissions. And I, I just realized how exciting it is to interact with someone else in that way, for them to trust you with their story and for them to be eager for you to get back to them and give them feedback and see their work published because I've been on the other side of it. And so I understand that feeling and that excitement. So for me, Brown Sugar has definitely changed my life and how I view uh, myself and my writing and also the community. What I want out of it, I definitely want a wider community. I want to hear different stories, like Imani said, that's the part that I'm really excited for because we've received stories from people who live in Europe and that's amazing. And we might not have heard these stories if we didn't start the magazine. 
just getting to experience different people and ideas is the part that I'm excited for most. But also working with Ashley and Imani and just seeing where this journey takes us. Like I'm, I'm someone who stresses a lot about the future, but with brown sugar, I'm just excited to see where it goes. And that is very rare for me to feel that way, to just feel excited for whatever happens. I'm excited to see who we meet. I'm excited to see who we get to collaborate with and the little imprint that we leave on the world. I'm so proud to have spoken to you ladies. Thank you for, for <laughs> talking to me today. You've renewed my hope. <laughs> we all need a little sunshine and you've been my sunshine uh, today because uh, it just, it, uh, it really uh, does. It, it really does make me happy to hear the passion behind what you're doing. I'm definitely a brown sugar fan. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and look forward to what you ladies have to offer. Thank all right? you. Yes, we're excited yeah. to see brown sugar's metamorphosis. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Thank you for joining me. I really do appreciate you. And we will be talking really soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Indie Arthur Hangout podcast. I had so much fun and I hope you did too while you learned something along the way. I would love to find out what you did learn and what your thoughts are about the show on Twitter at Indie Arthur Hangout. Please tell me what you would like to learn more about along your Indie Arthur journey. Also, it would be awesome if you would download and subscribe so you won't miss another Indie Arthur episode that is to come. Oh, one more thing. Show notes. They're available on ArthurGeniaWhite.com forward slash T-I-A-H. Thanks again for hanging with us on the Indie Arthur Hangout. I'll be right back here waiting in two weeks to chit chat with you. But until then, be safe and true to the Indie Arthur within.